Grand Rising, and welcome to another episode of Life Is But A Dream, the podcast. Uh, first of all, first of all, first of all, I want to start off by saying this podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Music, not Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Music, which I didn't actually know existed until I made this podcast. So you can listen there as well as watch on the YouTube. I know my favorite way to watch any of my favorite podcasts is on the YouTube because you get to see the facial expressions and how the person looks, put the face to the voice. So I understand that. Today's topic is going to be about is single motherhood a choice or a curse, like a generational curse? And this thought process was inspired by a TikTok series that I saw called The Random Man in Atlanta. And those of you who are on TikTok will know what I'm talking about. But to be honest, I realized most of my viewers are actually, in fact, no, I looked at my analytics and all of my viewers are 35 and up, which is crazy to me. Cause I'm like, do you guys relate to me? Like I'm 24 and just babbling. How do you, you know, what do you relate to? Like, if you could answer that question in the comments, I would love to know like, what is there to relate to? And anyway, whatever. I I guess whoever the message resonates with is who it resonates with and who am I to choose who that is, you know? Um, So this week's insufferable take uh, is that I struggle to automatically sympathize with single mothers in the way that I used to. And our first segment, the insufferable take, is where I share my unfiltered opinion or thought or just a hot take, but a little bit more spicy and just quite honest not with the intention of being inflammatory, but just with the intention of really sharing what's on my mind. So let me briefly explain why I came to this conclusion using the example of the random man in Atlanta series on TikTok. So there's this girl called Morgan who basically started a TikTok series talking about a whatless man that she had a child with who, you know, doesn't pay child support. And they refer to him as the random man in Atlanta. And it became really popular because she talks about how many different baby mothers he had that she found out after having the child with him and how she's 23, he's older, he was scrounging off of her. All this kind of back and forth. But when I first saw it, I was quite, you know, I got sucked into the story. But then the more I started to apply it to like things that I see in my real life and experiences that I've gone through, like seeing single motherhood and experiencing being a child of a single mother, I was like, I'm finding it hard to sympathize with this girl. Like I empathize with her because there's a difference and I have like a compassion because no, we're just human. You make life choices, things happen, but the sympathy and not holding her accountable, I couldn't do it. A lot of people, you know, are doing think pieces and going in on the, um, the baby dad. And yeah, he's an absolute dog, but I feel like we know these kind of men are dogs. And I feel like if you look and listen to her stories and read in between the lines, there were like blaringly obvious signs that he was a dog, but you continued anyway. And that's what I don't understand because I feel like that's just a common thread I see. I feel like maybe back in the day when we didn't have social media or people didn't have as much emotional intelligence, they were just choosing the dirty men in front of them. And I can't fault you. Like if you were born in the sixties and you had the idea that like, if men picked you, you had to go with them because of financial security. What have I, I have nothing to say about that. But I feel like in the last like 20 to 30 years, it's like, especially in the last 20 years, if you're like a Gen Z and you're, you're becoming a single mother while having all this information out there and then immediately jumping to, you know, dog the person out. I'm just kind of like, why, why is there that lack of discernment? And I think, 
to be honest, like we have all had a lack of discernment. I'm speaking about myself. Obviously, I don't have a child. That's the only thing that that moves me away from these people. And it doesn't put me in the the life and soul binding predicament of having a child with someone. But my whole thought process is like, why can't we have discernment? Why can't we see these red flags and just ignore them and move away from these people instead of indulging in them, acting like oblivious and then wondering why like horrible things happen and like why it's almost like it, it, it starts to become a choice when you don't choose to learn from the examples like for example someone like summer walker i don't even want to speak on her guys because i love summer walker from the from the top of my head to the bottom of my toes i really do i love her music i could sing the, the albums top to toe i love her but she was she's baby mum, but she's baby mother number four so you know it's like do we go into these things thinking that we're going to get treated differently why aren't we seeing these these baby mothers as a fucking red flag especially when the person is like not involved in the children's lives and all the children are young like i feel like there's just so many obvious indicators if you're a baby mother number one or two i have nothing to say yeah me personally i wouldn't date anyone with kids i feel like i'm too young to do that no i'm not doing it i'm not saying that people with kids um don't deserve love because everyone does but i'm also allowed to have my choice and i don't want to deal with those dramas i'd rather go with someone who's single so if you're baby mother number one or two, I get it. Um, but then when it's like three, four, five, six, seven, I'm like, so what did you think was going to happen? Like, I don't, you know, and again, I'm mixing this harshness of my words with the compassion because I, what we're going to talk about later on in the episode is why, you know, people perpetuate these cycles um, out of love or feeling. I feel like love is a bit more strategic than people want to, or it should be. I feel like um, rearing children and creating a life for them should be way more strategic than, oh, I love this person, so I'm going to have a child with them. Okay, well, now your child's fucking broke and traumatized because you guys aren't together and you're fighting all the time and whatever. (sighs) What causes women to lack the discernment, you know? And we will talk about that later. I think I, I, what I also didn't like about the series is she kind of lacks to hold herself accountable. What I would understand is if you have a period of time where you're just like, you know, going through it and dogging him out. But what I think would be really nice for her is just to pivot her content towards the great life she's going to give for her child, potentially getting a new partner who will care for her child, her and her child. Because then I don't like tuning into the narratives of like, oh, he's so shit. Like we knew he was shit from the fucking beginning. She literally said when she met him, she was like, kind of scared of him and he kept bothering her why are you dating people like that but then again a lot of relationships start on these this weird note of like i didn't really like him but he kept pestering me like why are we ignoring that discernment you know and i feel like this is such a topic close to my heart because single motherhood is rife within my immediate family or my whole family is very rife within within my community it's um rife within like what I've grown up around. So to see it, I just know that I have such a responsibility to do better. And this is no disrespect to anyone in my family. And I've had these kind of conversations with my mom, but it's like, she was only doing what she could with the tools that she had. And I also understand that um, you're supposed to like, 
I kind of feel like children are here to teach their parents. So the life that she had was, you know, one step from her mom and life that I'll have will be a step from her. And then the children that I eventually have, um, you know, will teach me something. So it's not like, oh, my life was horrible. Everything was awful. But it's like, yeah, this part of it, like I can see why so many things happened to me. And yeah, I can't automatically feel sorry for single mothers. I just feel like too much of it is conscious and too much of it is when we aren't choosing to do work on ourselves and hold ourselves accountable. And it just comes from a lot of desperation and the need to be like validated that you're giving up your body unprotected to these people who don't care about you and will not care about your unborn child. Like it's just so disgusting. Oh, hmm. Last and the last thing from the insufferable take is that I just wonder what um, narrative will be promoted to her daughter. Her daughter is gorgeous. She is just such a cute little baby. And she's always in the TikToks with her when she's complaining. And she's got this kind of like blank demeanor to her, like, but she's such a cute little baby. But I would just hope that her mum could promote a narrative to her, which would not cause her to be in the same sort of predicament. Because who wants to be in a predicament where they're unsupported and unseen and I just, I, because I've experienced it, I know the knock-on effects of not having a present father and I know what happens. So I just really wouldn't like that to happen to that baby. So I really hope that her mum is able to turn this around or just direct her in another direction where it's not like, oh, I can do for myself. I don't need a man. It's like, no, I'm going to use my discernment and, you know, find the people who will serve me. So yes, that's the insufferable take. Now for the main bulk of the podcast. Um, This is about single motherhood as a generational curse. And I made up my own definition for generational curse. Um, To me, it can be defined as the traits, behaviors, and lifestyles perpetuated through family lineages with themes of lack, loss, and or misfortune. So I used to, when people used to use the word like curse or generational curse, I used to think it was more like some magical witch in 18,000s bestowed something upon your grandmother and now everyone has bad luck. But I'm more seeing it as a patterns, like loads of patterns and behaviors that are continued and remain unchecked throughout the family, which cause us to have the same patterns of, for example, single motherhood or obesity or even other health issues. That to me, that's a generational curse. It's seeing these things and not checking them. So um, from my personal experience, I um, grew up in a single mother household, but I wasn't like it wasn't something I was really aware of for quite a while um, because even though my dad didn't live in my house, he would visit occasionally. And so I just, I just saw it, you know, that, that is what it is. And um, I, my mom always made a point of not talking badly about my dad around me, which I think is um, a good thing. But you know, as you get older, you get to form your own sort of opinions. But I, I think she did that purposely because what, yeah, I don't know. So I could form my own sort of opinions, but um I guess there was always a blank space in my head in what um, a family dynamic was like. I was I was just quite used to my mom taking care of me and just being around my siblings. And then that was it. And because my mom, she did such a great job in making us well-rounded children and not want for anything. And, and um, yeah, she made us like, I think before I even get into all of the um, issues that having a single parent household had I think the good thing about it was is that me and my siblings are immensely creative and resourceful and um that's that's a really big benefit 
And of course, I would have loved the resources from a two parent um, household because I could have gone on more holidays and we could have had an even bigger house. But like we were so we were so resourceful and we're still resourceful to this day. And we were just so optimistic and able to we're very solution based. So I am appreciative of that. And I feel like that was definitely facilitated by the way our mom raised us. She didn't raise us like, oh, you need to seek this and that from a man and you need to do this, that and the other. We don't really speak about relationships, to be honest. So I never really knew. I just didn't really know, you know. And because she wasn't in, um, she wasn't with my dad, I didn't even get to see the reaction of how relationships would go. So it's kind of a thing that just went over my head. And I think I've spoken about it in other videos. But um, I've written a list of the effects that it has had on me that I have noticed growing up. Uh, the first one is an unclear role of men um, in a family and a society um and i also wrote this can still be prevalent in a dual parent household so i've been told by friends um or people that i know who actually did live with their dad they were like guys it's basically like not living with your dad so i'd like to um emphasize that it's not just about having two parents it's about having two present parents because some people have two parents and they're still having similar experiences to me yeah so it's about having two present and active parents in a household not just two parents because I've heard of a lot of people who said their dad is there, but they're just fucking useless anyway. So, but yeah, it was unclear to me the role that men played in society. Like it's only in the last like five years, I've really understood like men are supposed to be the backbone of the family and society. Like if I have a problem, I only shouldn't be able to count on my dad. I should be able to call my uncles. I should be able to call older male cousins, which I don't have. Um, and if I do, they're on my dad's side, so I don't really know them. Um, or I should be able to reach out to my granddad. It's not just it's about the men in the family wanting to protect you. And I feel like maybe it's in Caribbean, I don't know. I don't really understand why Caribbean culture is the way that it is, but um, it's not really about protecting the, the, the children or the women. It's just like the women take care of the children and they just flounce off doing what they're doing, or at least that's been my experience and a lot of other people I know. So that definitely warps my perception of what they should be doing in society or um, yeah. and leading on from that it warped my understanding of how to receive i because what i did receive from my dad was so like temperamental is that the word like it was so sporadic it's like oh you'll get a shoes like every year like you'll get one pair of shoes like you know every so often he might buy you a bike but every single time you'd buy me something it's like you'd be reminding me, oh, well, I bought you the last thing. So everything seems so conditional and you kind of feel like you're a burden when you're literally a child and it's literally that person's job to provide for you. So that makes you feel like, okay, well, um, I must have to do something in order to be worthy of receiving things. And at a young age of under 10, like you should not, you should not feel like you need to prove yourself in any way to receive something, you're a child, you know? And um, I and I see this not even just with um, dads as well. It's with parents as well. They try and kind of justify why their kids shouldn't be getting something. This is not luxuries, but this is like basic necessities. I don't agree with that. There's not really anything that your child um, could do as to why you should revoke them having access to something, even if they don't get the correct grades in schools. Like, why do I not get a new pair of shoes? You know, but um, that kind of warped my understanding of how to receive. And it made me feel like I have to always give in order to get something. I've always got to put out input to get something. And I'm learning now that that's not the way some people live. Some people 
will happily call up their dad and be like, oh, can I have such, such and such? And they're going to give it to them. I couldn't do that. Like I could ask him for something and then he'd say no. And then he'd kind of just make me feel like a burden. And then you just over time feel like it's not their responsibility and like you are the problem. So I've, I've continued to unlearn that because it's like, I wouldn't ask my mom because she's literally doing everything. And also that's another thing that would really piss me off. I got in an argument with somebody like a couple months ago who said it wasn't possible for a man to just take care of like their girlfriend, like financially. And it aggravated me so much because I, I've seen what my mom has done for me and my sisters. Like there's four of us and she like she had a she had a good enough job but it's not to say like with a rich we grew up rich or anything like that she still made it work so when i hear people who are kind of like i don't want to pay for the day oh i can't afford this like it honestly makes me feel sick because even right now it's making me sweat it's making me feel sick because they they don't even want to extend their mind to try and get creative about how they could and provide for you they just don't want to do it um and after I fucking cussed him out, he was like, do you know what? You're right. Because he grew up in a two-parent household, the person I, was, I um, spoke to this about. And I was like, why is it normal for women to literally take care of four children by themselves on a single salary, lower-end salary, and it's abnormal for a man to take care of his family and or just, just a partner? It's ridiculous. It really is ridiculous. So, yeah. Um, what was the other point? I started to believe that my value was only about what I could tangibly give, kind of linking from the, the prior point, um, rather than realizing that your value comes from the way that you make other people feel and the just who you are as a person. Like that was all out the window because I was like brought up in such a survival mode of like, how am I going to get all these things? And especially when there's only one person providing for four of us and all that stuff, you know? Um, uh, I also started to not know how to ask for help. It's something I've had to really, really break out of because you've reached out for help from someone who has put you on this earth and you believe is the person who should be helping you. And they deny you every time and make it seem like you're asking for too much to the point where like you feel like you have to do everything by yourself. And this has been a really, really difficult thing for me to um, get over or just work through because when you think about it, when you're in any type of relationship, whether it's a friendship or whether it's like a romantic relationship, people are supposed to help you. Not everybody's help is the same. So if somebody helps me financially and I help them um, spiritually or emotionally um, or like around the house, there's an exchange there. And it's the idea that like I was working with people, I was working with the thoughts that everyone needed to be equal and really we need equity. Not everyone is at the same level women and men are not at the same level like we have different strengths and um not only did my dad kind of make it seem like you know this is it, you know this is what your mum should be doing he did nothing like oh oh just speaking about it makes me hot man it really does so that not knowing to how to um receive and not knowing how to ask for help caused me to really live in survival mode which may cause me to make decisions that further perpetuated um my survival mode which links onto my next point which is the debts that i collected like over the far, um, last five years so i went to university and in university it's quite impossible to work even though i had my swimming um teacher qualification like i was in kent so there's not really that many leisure centers but when you're at uni your main focus is your work anyway 
but everyone knows when it, you get to uni is if you're if you don't come from a rich household it comes into like it just becomes like some poverty like you you get into a poverty yeah the accommodation is expensive you don't really have enough time for a job and your studies and stuff so that's when i started to get into like credit card debt and overdrafts and all those things things that i'm still working through to this day and i used to feel so so like upset and ashamed about it but i kind of realized like i really didn't have any options like my mom helped me i always prem- pro- uh, premise this by saying she helped me where she could she has four children okay and she has to live her own life and all that stuff and again i didn't really like to ask for help so there's probably times where she could have helped me i just didn't ask for the help because i i felt so uncomfortable doing it so it just caused me to get into a lot of debt and if we really printed out like a, a history of all the debt i've ever accumulated on my credit cards you would just feel so sad because it's like it's not even like oh gucci louis prada like nike it's literally like food transport driving lessons um things like that that i shouldn't have had to pay for i should at least have had some assistance with amounted with accommodation costs because accommodation was so expensive that my loan didn't even um, cover that and then things like oh parties god forbid i want to go to a party to alleviate the mental pressure um and anxiety and depression that i felt in university god forbid i wanted to go on the group holiday that all of my friends were going on like yeah i think if you if you really break down what debt actually is it's just there's a lot of like emotional depth to it because i could have been um i could have been someone who's like yeah let me be so sensible because i can't afford it in um you know i can't afford it in real time right now let me not do anything about it let all my friends go on holiday let everybody else um do other fun things and i'll just make sure you know i can afford mind you i still couldn't really afford shit but it's like you don't have that rationale when you're 19 and 18 and i don't think you are supposed to you know so and it's not to be honest it's not the biggest debt in the world (laughs) it's it's (laughs) less than 50k more than 1k so you you know it's not the biggest debt in the world and it's and i've i've come to realize that like as i've gotten older because it was something that used to get me so so like anxious all the time but I was honestly, you know, I was going through a lot. I was dealing with a lot. And um, the only time my problems with my debt got better was when I actually started to speak about it with my mom. And she just made me realize, like, it's not really that deep and that these things can be worked through. But then I even thought about it to myself and I was like, you didn't have any options. Like, uni was probably like one of the lowest points of my life. And um, that's why even leaving uni early was like a necessity for me because my mental health was in the absolute bin and finances were definitely a part of that. And that links to the background that I came from and the lack of support and yeah. And the last but not least least effect that, um, you know, not having a dad has is your low self value because they say that your dad should be your first love. And my dad is, um, he's not, he's just, he's not very affectionate. He's very like practical and, I don't know i know men are not always supposed to be like affectionate but there's i don't know he's i think for me i'm I'm a very like emotional person and from him the energy is very like hmm, it's just very mellow he's not he wasn't he wasn't he's not like a shouter or like a screamer but he's very like hmm so i just felt nothing a lot of the time and um that's probably to do with his own upbringing but again now it's transformed onto me and now i'm here talking about it to you guys so it causes you to just feel a low self-value because you don't have that representation of how men should be because the first man in your life wasn't there 
so you end up like just kind of taking what comes and taking in ideals that are made up around you and a lot of those ideals around me were that you know you just kind of settle people aren't saying it overtly but you're just settling like oh he's okay like so it made me think like okay these behaviors are okay and they're really really not and it's a thing that you have to constantly fight against like um yeah man it's actually a lot it's really a lot i could cry right now it's it's a lot i could cry but i won't i I really won't um next topic we're going to talk about in the main points is my relationship to men and so not having your dad as your first love or the person to remind you of like this is the standard of how men should treat you led me to not having high enough standards for what men should be doing and holding them accountable um to those things i didn't even think dates were necessary before people have access to you why like Ugh. and when you look back like i'm literally sweating i'm literally sweating guys when i look back on it it does make me feel really ill but then i just remember like it's life is just a process it's fine whatever um and just allowing a lack of reciprocity and in- exchange in relationships to be normalized for me like me to be doing so much input to get crumbs and then be like okay well at least they did this that that was a norm and i think well i know that links to me being like well at least my dad did this even though he hasn't you know he hasn't called me for my birthday and he hasn't sent me this amount of money like well you know he brought some pizza today it's just not good enough and when you look at those patterns it just really it it shows you where it came from so i can nip it in the bud um and last but not least relationship to men it links to the first thing about not having enough um, standards it's about leading with your body because i always believed that um in order to i guess have validation from men or just have people want to be around you and accept you and like you you have to give them something and as you get older you realize what men want is your body so if you lead with that it's like okay now i have attention now i have validation and that was what my mindset was subconsciously for a very, very long time, which is really damaging. And I'm so happy I did like, I haven't had, I think for that mentality, I could have had so many more negative experiences, but I actually haven't. Um, and it's, I've just realized like, there's so much more that I have to offer. And um, anyone who only wants to be around me for my body, I shouldn't want to be around that person. Anybody who wants me to be around them for what I can do for them, I shouldn't be around that person. And the right people can appreciate your beauty and appreciate your sensuality, your sexuality, but it's not at the forefront. And it's not like a deal breaker. It's like, I like you as a person and those things are in addition. But that's the mindset that I had to adopt because this is a pattern that you have to recognize or else it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. I don't know what other people's um, experience of single motherhood is, but for me, this is what I've culminated it down to. And I feel like this is why it continues to get perpetuated when these belief systems or things similar to it aren't nipped in the bud. um, It causes it to be um, perpetuated. And this is why you end up in a situation with a man who semi cares about you and definitely won't care about your kids properly. And then you kind of blame it on them for being whatless. And yeah, they're disgusting, but you lacked the discernment. And that's where I will hold myself accountable for the times I lacked the discernment. And I thank God above that I never ever got pregnant or had a child because now that's 18 years bound to someone who doesn't care about you or your child or your family or women in general. They don't care about 
uplifting women um so um I feel like also I realized that my environment was really really influencing that most of the friends I had were from single parent households and at first that's a really nice way to it sounds weird but it's a nice way to relate to people because you have similar life experiences but in another way if none of your beliefs go unchecked it becomes an echo chamber and to be honest the friends I had like we used to talk about whatless men all the time like none of them were delusional and so I get they actually were checking um you know we were checking the way men treat us but I guess it it kind of comes out in other ways of you being extremely ruthless or like extremely nonchalant or you're saying one thing in practice like oh fuck these men but then as soon as someone that you used to talk to comes back to you you still speak to them so it was it was it's kind of difficult to try and navigate that when you don't have an example or people around you who are just living differently I don't have friends who are like yeah like my my dad always told me I should never accept this that and the other I don't I don't have friends like that so even though I could hear it in theory online, it's not something that was subconsciously drilled into me. So I do think it's quite important for me to seek out those spaces and people who are like, no, 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 what you're going through is BS and there's another way because I want to be a part of that other way. Um, and this leads on to also what you consume and what you choose to believe. So now that I've seen enough of Morgan's TikToks, sorry, hun, but I have to scroll past because I don't want to sit here and talk about how whatless your baby dad is i want to talk about how i can choose the right people and get people to treat me correctly and encourage other people to not accept standards because if you think about it imagine if all the women i know this is outlandish but i'm a sagittarius we like to think of the big picture imagine if everyone in the whole world was just like oh you know if he's not willing to pay for this this and this or he's not you know meeting certain standards i'm not speaking to him and they actually stuck to it it forces people to change it would force people to change if just the just the way that like maybe back in the day beating your um wife was socially acceptable and now it's not these things can change so if it becomes socially unacceptable unacceptable for you to abandon your child and not care for them properly um by us as women holding men to that standard and also not giving them access to us to do that and vetting them before we people are more willing to have a child with you than get married so if we were um you know i'll speak for myself if i were to vet people better and be like do you know what like you do not have access to me or my body until xyz is in place like marry me first bitch how about that marry me put a ring on my finger and put a date on it obviously i understand this this is not it's not a um a foolproof method but you get my gist i just feel like in general whatever type of relationship structure you want you should hold those boundaries even when it's difficult and i say this for myself as well just so maybe something can change you know and um just be discerning when we're um engaging in new ideals for example like the sprinkle sprinkle thing on tiktok is really big and i'll just explain that for my over 35 audience because all of you guys you might not know what i'm talking about um shira seven is a um woman who creates youtube videos that are people post on tiktok and she talks about relationships and how to get a rich man she explicitly says that she's a financial advisor so she's not someone who talks about you know love and reciprocity that much in relationships she's just talking about how women can benefit fully from men and um from rich men who will marry them and you know provide for their lifestyle so 
there are parts of her ethos that I actually do agree with and I really like the whole things about what you do deserve and you know how to the places that you could be and the things that you could do but the one thing that I don't agree with is that like you don't need love in that relationship I think you can have both at the same time I feel like you could have someone who wants to take care of you and who can also respect you who can also genuinely love love you and someone who you can genuinely be attracted to because she has an older husband and she (laughs) the way she talks about him like she's like oh yeah like my husband knows that you know if he didn't have money I wouldn't be here those kind of things don't make me feel happy so I say this all to say that we should just be discerning about the new information we are gathering like yeah it doesn't mean everything Shira is saying is wrong but there are tweaks to it that I would like to add and things that I would prefer like there's a girl on TikTok called um Victoria's Thoughts well I know that's her podcast I can't remember her name is it Victoria Alvarez well her podcast is Victoria's Thoughts and she had a similar sentiment to me where she feels like um fem- that feminine energy and that masculine energy content does get warped and there's there is a level of respect that men do deserve especially the people who are doing the right things and we shouldn't just revoke that because there's been a large group of men who were doing absolute bull- and bullshit for the longest time so i agree with that more and those are the things that i want to imp- implement in my life and not kind of go into the dating pool in such a defensive manner because I I am a feeling type of individual. I do want to feel things, but I just don't want to. um, I also want to use my discernment while feeling things. Okay, so we are on the final segment of the podcast, which is the unsolicited advice, which is where I give my advice, um, even though nobody asked, because this is my podcast, I can do whatever I want. Um, This one is related to the main point, which is about single motherhood and dating. Um, I said, don't see your circumstances as a burden or making you less than or a defining factor. See yourself and your circumstances as changeable and all part of your journey. And this is advice for myself, of course, and you guys can apply it to your life if you want to. But me not having a present father doesn't mean I am now damaged goods. It means I have a new perspective on life and a new way to navigate things. And it doesn't mean that people, even if they had the perfect upbringing that I would prefer to have had, they still have their own issues too. So me coming here is not me saying like, oh, I'm so sad because like I said in the in the beginning, there's so many things that are gained from this adversity, such as the creativity, the, innov- um, the innovation um, with resources and other things within my family and how we're able to pull together in times of crisis and learning how to communicate our feelings better and work through other stuff and also just the way that we support each other that all came from not having the structure that we should have had so i'm able to just see it from a wider perspective of like this is not a burden it's just some it's just some different perspective that i can work through and it's also a teachable moment for other people who are going through the same thing so just don't think that you're less than um another piece of unsolicited advice is to define your own dating experiences this is really big. I have seen in the UK that, well, at least the personal reality that I have in the UK, dating is a bit, it's lackluster. And I have multiple options. I could widen my dating pool and date outside my race. Don't want to do that. Or I could actually widen my dating pool and date outside my country. That's something I would love to do. So I'm looking for a more solution-based way to experience better fulfilling fulfilling dating experience rather than just sitting around complaining and 
continuing to dig through the muck that I've already decided that I'm not interested in. And that's not to say nobody in the UK is having good dating experiences because of course people are. And I probably could too, but I would have to put myself in different settings, whether it's in the UK or outside the country in order to experience that. And I'd rather focus on that than how shit men are and he didn't pay on the first day, blah, 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 blah. Find the people who do. Like, is is I think it's very obvious to know like we kind of we have our initial reactions and we just choose to ignore them you know the type of guy that you're about to go on a date with like you know whether they're paying or not you know whether they're trying to sleep with you like immediately you know you you can tell these things but we just try and dismiss it because we want experiences and i get it because i've done it so many times in the past i'm just not willing to do it anymore now i'm i will be i'll be delusional in the way that i like to people might see what I'm saying right now as delusional because they're in a certain reality, but I'll be delusional enough to think that I can create my own reality. That's the only type of delusion I'll be doing. Any other delusion into, you know, trying to turn a situationship into a relationship, I'm not doing it anymore. Sorry. And the last piece of unsolicited advice is to be brave enough to create um, a new and unique narrative in a sea of negativity because not everyone's love life is bad. This for me is about surrounding my timelines and what I consume with ideas of things that I would like my life to be like. I followed this account on TikTok called um, Meet in NYC, I think. And they just stop couples in the street and ask them like how they met. And it's couples of all races. There's definitely black couples on there as well, but it's just really nice. I'd rather just hear people be like, you know, there was this one story where the guy was like, I saw her at dinner with her family. So I paid for their whole meal. And then I got her number. And since then we've been together for 40 years. Like, those are the things that I want to hear. And I would i don't care if it's delusional. I don't care if it's unrealistic. I don't give a shit. Like, that's where I'd rather put my attention than my attention on, like, how people are doing such wrong. Because I've done so many years of putting my attention on the wrongdoings of men. I will spend, like, if I've spent, like, what, 12 years doing that? Because I wasn't really thinking about dating before the age of 12. Let's say I spent 10 years doing that since the age of 14. I will spend another t- 10 years just focusing my reality on people who have nice relationships and see if it makes a change before I say like that's delusional. <sighs> so um, yes, that's all I have for you guys today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Please share, please comment your thoughts. I'd love to have more of a discourse in the comments. Also remember you can find this podcast on Spotify, um, Amazon Music and Apple Podcasts. It's Life Is But A Dream the podcast and you can follow me on tiktok and instagram at adrian fw but that's all i have for you this week guys toodles